Today's sponsor is Audible.com, the leading provider of downloadable audiobooks with over 100,000 titles and virtually every genre of book. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Listen to audiobooks anytime, anywhere, on anything. Audible is offering It's That Episode listeners a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial. Go to audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. Well, it's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment. We watch any TV show they choose, then we talk about it, and we talk about a bunch of other crap. Today I'm excited. My guest is hilarious improviser and writer from the legendary, classic, one of the best improv groups in the history of the world, some say, and everyone believes. Uh, the law firm is a good friend Matt Moses. Welcome, Matt. Hey, what's up, Craig? How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here. Um, it's good to have you here. It's good to have you. We used to live, um, blocks from each other. Yeah. Not too far. This is the new place. I haven't been here yet. And you haven't been to the new place, so you can give a compliment. I mean, I think it's great. He's, uh, he's only a block away from the park. (laughs) You should not say precisely. (laughs) Don't give like a latitude longitude, but (laughs) you're welcome. 35 degrees. Yeah. North, north north by Northwest. Uh, but it's, it's so, it's so great. What a great neighborhood. Thank you so much. And, uh, that's the real reason I brought you here was just to brag about Park Slope. Park Slope, oh, baby. There's another clue. Though I did read today, uh, as because you're in, I guess, Carroll Gardens, but Cobble yeah. Hill, they both feel the same thing, mm-hmm. right? That Mike D lives in uh, Cobble Hill. Does he really? For the Beastie Boys. Well, look at that. Yeah. And the park, the park that is named after... Adam Yauk. is That's actually in uh, Brooklyn Heights, but it's pretty close. Right. Um, so you course, can visit M- it. MCA, who passed away last year. Right. He's been memorialized in a park, which I think is... Very nice. He uh, he was a student at my high school, so he's one of our illustrious alumni. We we brag about him as I am doing now. Yeah, and he did. Now, did he ever give anything back to the school? Never. Or, okay. Nothing. <laughs> no, never came. Well, I feel like he was. He went to college. I think he wasn't he? a dropout from high school. He no. went to like uh, some like I don't. It's not Brown, but some sort of just liberal arts college. I don't know if he graduated from there. I used sure. to be a huge Beastie Boys fan. Were you? Yeah. So I should know this, but... I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't care. Yeah. I care, but... <laughs> I mean, I, I care, but I'm not enough to, like, do any research. Um, so I'm glad to have you here. This is the first episode of It's That Episode where we're going to be watching a, a television show that we've wa- I've watched before on this show. And I had been reluctant to do it in the past, but I realized, like, what the hell? Why not? Yeah, right? Yeah. Come on. It's a different episode. It's a different episode. We So um, last year, Sue Galloway watched season one, episode one, the pilot of Cheers. And we're revisiting Cheers today. And why don't you tell us what we're watching? Uh, we are watching the uh, end of season 10, which is a two-parter called An Old Fashioned Wedding. It is uh, Woody's Wedding. It's Woody's Wedding. This is from season 10, so if you don't know, there are 11 seasons of Cheers. This is the penultimate season, the penultimate season finale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other one, no, and the other season was a series finale, so maybe it was the last season finale. The last season finale, <laughs> if, if, if you, you don't, don't count. count. <laughs> yeah. If you don't count 11, which you would. Right. 
Um, so why did you choose uh, this episode? Um, why did I choose this episode? Okay, well, I am uh, I'm a playwright also, and I was uh, I had a reading of a play recently, and people were talking to me about, oh, you know, you should just bring out the sex farce of it more, make it more of that. Mm-hmm. It just feels like what it wants to be, so let it be that. So I was Googling sex farce, and um, <laughs> the, this the, the, episode came up as an example of a sex farce, and I was like, I should watch it. Oh, let me watch it with Craig. Wait, so did you Google sex farce? Like, I did. As a... <laughs> I was like, well, what other examples, what plays or, or TV shows that I should look at? So why don't you, I mean, I guess uh, I know what a farce is, but what would you, how would you describe, I mean, using maybe your experience from writing what somebody called one, what would you, how would you define a sex farce? Well, um, I would say it would include elements like um, mistaken identity, um, uh, really Un- almost unbelievable uh, coincidences. Sort of a, a comedy of errors. Yeah, of sorts. yeah, that's a great way of. And which is it. interesting because um, sometimes I feel like one of the most recent comedy of errors that I really enjoyed when it came out, but I sort of can't watch it anymore, mm. was Meet the Parents, uh-huh. the first one, because when you get really into the comedy errors as a viewer, sometimes like, Oh my God, like, like how can you keep like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. It, it hurts. It hurts. It presses the, uh, believability. Yeah. I guess it's like the first time you watch it, I guess I've watched, I mean, let me just say meet the parents top, top movie ever. I, sure. I mean, I think it's good. I <laughs> no, do it like it. No, it is good. I'm making fun of it now, but it, it was a good comedy, but, uh, like yeah, there's something like cringy about sometimes when when it sure. gets in that territory. So, um, so what did you when you researched this? You saw sex farce. You saw this. So you thought this might be a good reference point for you. Yeah, I thought it, it would be worth watching. Um, and I love Cheers as we all do. Did you watch it when it was on TV? Uh, I did, mm-hmm. but I mean, I remember being like a kid and being in my bedroom, and like, I, if I heard Cheers come along, I knew like, oh, I should be asleep now. Like, uh-huh. I should have fallen asleep already. But I would sometimes sort of peek out the door and right. watch it. Yeah, and this was I'm interested to see because uh, last year I watched a couple episodes of uh, Cheers, including the pilot episode for the podcast, and this is like ten years later. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see, yeah. especially with, I mean, Cheers is one of the most successful sitcoms ever. Ever. And I think one of the most well-respected ones as well. Mm. To see 10 years in, what the hell is going on? Like what, yeah. like how it feels, does it still feel true to it? Because I haven't watched these episodes in forever. You know? Sure. Oh, no, neither have I. And, um, and this is also a two-parter. This is a two-parter, which was another thing I thought uh, was kind of interesting, because you don't really see that that much on TV anymore. or I don't think so, at least. I'd say at least in comedy, in sitcoms, I don't think you would usually. No, I I mean, it used to be a thing where it would be like, to be continued. Oh, what's going to happen? Is Mallory going to still date Nick? Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, it's it's definitely... One of those things where you see the music swell up and you see the two be continuing. You're like, oh my god, Whoa. gonna have to watch next week. Yeah, maybe they became so overdone that like audiences stopped falling for them. I guess, know? yeah. But who knows? Maybe because people watch sitcoms even more so nowadays out of sequence. Right, that's true. Yeah. Now I also have to say the name. The name of the episode is. Let me just get it up here. Whoops. Uh, we're getting some technical difficulties. The name of the episode is the wedding. Oh, the it's called. This is taking long. An old fashioned wedding, part one and two. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to because it's topical. Say that Please. I was recently married. Yeah, recently. that was the last time I saw Craig was at his wedding. At my wedding, about 
three and a half weeks ago, and then you're gonna get married. I am. I'm engaged. You're yeah. engaged to get married mm-hmm. next year. So, also, this could be interesting to see from my experience as being a wedded man yeah. and having a wedding, and your experience working towards a, a wedding. You could give me some advice. I and give you a lot of advice. Is this true? What we see is this. What's going to happen? Right. Well, yeah, and I'll know. Yeah. I mean. I don't know who – so it says – in the synopsis it says, Woody and Kelly experienced last-minute trepidations about getting married, but this doesn't stop them from a bit of prenuptial hanky-panky. Ooh. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> well, I don't remember – I don't know who Kelly is. Do you know Kelly? Do you remember? Um, I mean it's Woody's wife. Well, right, sure. But I remember her as being sort of very innocent, like an ingenue kind of character. Mm-hmm. I mean obviously Woody was too. So she's right. a sort of female Woody from right. my memory at least. Right. Yeah, I guess that's a good like sitcom thing is you, you like pair the idiot with another idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, yeah. And uh, since uh, for those who are keeping tally as a podcast listener, in the first season when I watched uh, Cheers, Woody didn't exist as a character. It was Coach was the bartender. Oh, and wow. He was Sam Malone's one of the coaches for his professional baseball team, and and he was also dumb. <laughs> and he, I think the actor died. He did. And, I mean, I remember Coach yeah. dying. That was a really sad episode. I didn't realize that he had coached Sam, though. I think so. I think that was the joke of it. Like that. That was his like. And they both end up working at a bar. That's so sad. Well, I think maybe Sam. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> like of it. professional baseball players. Well, I just watched this uh, to uh, sort of get off topic, but it's interesting. Is I just watched this documentary. That's not a great documentary, but uh, you know, ESPN's Thirty for Thirty. It's like mm-hmm. yeah. they have thirty documentaries by thirty different directors, and there was one called Broke, and it's about how profe- like I don't know if this is the right number, but like seventy percent of NFL players like go broke within like three or four years of really, you know, because they don't know how to manage their money. They have all these investments, and one of the things that people sports players do is invest in like restaurants or bars or which are probably a bad thing to invest in i'd say they're probably on the yeah exactly because like most restaurants fail in general and then if you have zero experience or knowledge of it which probably a professional sports player who's been playing sports exclusively since age four bad idea it's a problem except for michael jordan steakhouse best steak i've ever had yeah really good also, there's a Will Chamberlain's restaurant I've eaten at. Really? <laughs> um, and also a steakhouse? They have spaghetti? I don't think. Yeah, it's Will Chamberlain's spaghetti. It's only spaghetti. <laughs> I don't know if I've, if I've ever eaten at any other sports player. There's Charles Oakley Car Wash on, the, on post, uh, post Road in Westchester. <laughs> I, didn't, I've, I didn't know. But that's been a, a car wash since he was on the Knicks, I think. So It's worked out. I think it has. Who knows? It might just be a front for you know a meth, yeah, meth ring, money laundering. Um, but yeah, so maybe that's how Coach and uh, and Sam ended up in the bar. But it seems like I like that backstory. Yeah, it's a good backstory. Yeah. I'm going to put it on there. Yeah. Um, so anything you're going to look at, is, uh, especially when it, since you're writing towards a, a potential sex verse, anything that you're like thinking about. Um, nothing specific other than just, I mean, I'll look at structural elements probably and, and other sort of, uh, you know, bits, conceits, yeah. mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and does your, we can get, talk a little bit more about your, um, play after we watch, but is there hanky panky in your play? There is. Yeah. There's yeah. hanky panky. And I think I need to add some more hanky panky. It needs more sex. More sex. And it, would it be more allusions to sex or more like phys- physically like making out on stage and stuff like that? 
Maybe both. Ooh. Maybe both. You got me thinking here. All right. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, well, I want to hear more about the, the play afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. And then we'll uh, hopefully we'll learn more about, um, about sex verses. So we're going to watch uh, part one and part two and uh, of an old-fashioned wedding. Let's do it. You wanted to talk to me, Mr. Gaines? That's Woody. Now that we're almost family, Mr. Gaines sounds pretty cold and formal. Dead? But better than that. <laughs> I've seen you, Woody. Now, Woody, I don't think I've ever tried to hide the fact that I dislike you intensely. <laughs> I appreciate that, sir. The only reason I've accepted this union is that my daughter loves you so very much. Oh, I know she's had other suitors with better backgrounds, but they all had one thing on their minds. They couldn't keep their hands off my little girl, and I hate that. But you, on the other hand, have always seemed to respect and love my daughter. But believe me, if I thought for one moment you didn't respect my Kelly, I'd call off this wedding and have those dogs of mine eat you alive. <laughs> Do I make myself clear? Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Now, Woody, I know this sounds like a meddlesome father-in-law giving advice, but it isn't. It's a threat. <laughs> if he's starting to like me. A uh, quick reminder that today's sponsor is Audible.com, the leading provider of downloadable audiobooks with over 100,000 titles in every genre possible. If you are listening to this podcast right now, it's that episode. You are eligible for a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial if you go to www.audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan, C-R-A-I-G-R-O-W-I-N. And you can take advantage of this special offer. And you know what? I'm going to suggest a book because Matt Moses, my guest today, suggests this book later in the episode. If you don't know how we get to it, then you'll figure, you have to listen to the rest of the episode to figure out how it comes up. But it's called The Orphan Master's Son, a novel of North Korea by Adam Johnson. Matt Moses suggests it. I haven't read it, but I know Matt's smart, so I'm going to suggest it. Uh, you can check that out or um, over 100,000 other books if you want by going to audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. Why don't you do it? Let's get back to Cheers. All right! Wow, we just uh, we just watched the two part uh, Cheers episode, uh, an old fashioned wedding. An old fashioned wedding. Which, before we get to it, I have to say, I noticed while we were watching it that I've actually with Abby Jacobs and I watched um, Frasier uh-huh. season finale. That was also a two part wedding related thing in oh, yeah. season seven of Frasier, and it was written by the brother of the guy who wrote this episode. Wow. David Lloyd wrote this two-part episode of uh, of Cheers, and then Christopher Lloyd, his brother, I think, was one of the writers on those episodes of Frasier, which was called. It was also a two-part wedding thing called Something Borrowed, Someone Blue. Was it similar? Did it have a lot of um, same elements? It had. Yes, it did. It had. Well, okay, so. Yeah, it absolutely did. Because yeah. one of the big things, and we'll get into it, of this episode was it was such a farce. Like the, so there was crazy. a room with a lot of doors leading to a lot of different rooms yeah. and ones that had to have been avoided and people being in room. Like that was a big part of that episode. Yeah. I'll have to watch that one too. Um, but this was – it was, I, and I was sort of a little skeptical because it was season – 10 of yeah. cheers, but the writing was, I mean, I was laughing out loud. Like, I a left lot. a lot too. Yeah. 
Um, it was a really funny episode. It was. So why don't we give a, a, a synopsis? Why don't we start at the first episode? And we'll, sure. And it, something that you mentioned while we are watching was the whole episode was only, I think, two scenes altogether. Like, it all took place in two yeah. locations, and the scenes were pretty much... Yeah, I think it was two scenes plus the cold open. Yeah. Which, which was part of the first scene. So basically, these really did feel like plays they did so much yeah. absolutely so we'll we'll talk about um that so the synopsis so the first uh, episode starts with woody coming in woody is gonna get married mm-hmm. and uh i guess the big thing is the fact that he and his fiance have not had sex and they've waited for three years right but then the morning of the wedding they've done it they yeah so woody comes in with a smile and sam recognizes that face as being a face a post-sex face <laughs> and can't stop smiling it was a f- sex face and a sex farce and uh and he says that he feels okay because they are getting married that day, that that's not, like, you know, breaking his, their chastity. Right. It should be okay. But, but if her fa- Kelly, his fiance's father, finds out, he'll be in big trouble. He'll be in big trouble because his dad is old-fashioned and also really into dictators because uh, as oh, yeah. we see later when we go to their house, ha- the, the wedding takes place at their house, right? At the yeah. uh, at the father of the bride's house. And he's wealthier. And he's very wealthy. Poor. And he comes from good stock or whatever. Yeah. He's a little disappointed that she's marrying Woody, but he's not like bad about it. You know, he yeah. likes that he, he respects her, but he has two dogs. One's name is Hitler and one's name is Attila. And there are these vicious dogs that play a role in the episode. And then he mentions how he respects Mussolini. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, that, that's his character game, I think, is, is dictator love. Is, yeah, <laughs> is he loves the worst dictators. Yeah. Um, so that that's how the episode starts is with Woody coming in, and that's the bar. And then the other thing is that Carla, played by Rhea Perlman... <laughs> As that her gift to the bride and groom, she's going to do a horoscope for them, I guess, a special horoscope. And she realizes during the horoscope that this day is the worst day they could possibly get married because everything will go wrong. And it does. It does. It's a true, true farce. Everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. Um, so, so the first part starts in the... And there's so many great things. I mean, like... There's just so much, and there are so many characters. There's so many characters, and they're all so funny. Like, you, like Frasier is there with his wife, Lilith, he's right? so Frasier. He's so Frasier, and it's so funny. His <laughs> lines are just... It's really well-written, and the it's acting, really well written. I mean... It, like, the, the actors that they have are, like, unreal. Yeah. They're so they're good. They're all so good. They're yeah. all so good. Um, so the first part of the first episode takes place all at the bar, and they're sort of getting ready to... I guess Sam and and uh, what's Kirstie Alley's character's name? Uh, Rebecca. Rebecca right? are the, yeah. yeah they're and 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 uh, and Carla it? are are the sort of caterer. Are they're the they they're providing they're the booze? Out. They're, yeah, they're providing the booze, right? And just helping out with the wedding overall. And then, and then Norm and Cliff Clavin are there. Obviously, they're just there for for support as yeah. usual. And Fraser's there, and Lilith is Lilith is hilarious. And oh my god, it's just such a so they end up going. The rest of the episode after those scene, that scene takes place in the kitchen of the father of the bride's house. Yes, 
and we meet a bunch of other characters. So why don't you go through there? And a lot of them are huge characters. They are crazy characters that come in. Um, there is the pissed off French chef. Yes, which is he, he's taking care of the food and most notably the cake. Yes. And so he's working on the cake. And then Rebecca, who is really upset about her latest relationship dissolving, bites the head off the groom that's on the top of the cake. And this pisses off the French chef to no end. And he's already a very uh, contentious. And he's like, it's not just that he's French. It's like he's the classic, yeah. like, no, you can't speak to me this way. Like the like a cartoonish, yeah. like a big and I'd say farcical. Oh, I don't know. I, like, yeah. Um, I guess because you said farce at the beginning that that's that's like sort of the lens that I'm seeing the whole thing through. But he was such a big character, ridiculous. And uh, by the and 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 uh, Rebecca annoys him enough that he quits. He quits yeah. and leaves. And oh, and and one thing is that I so I feel like at this point because they go out that door, we should explain all the doors that are in the oh, kitchen. Yeah. So oh each gosh. door so each door has like its own thing. So the door that he has to go out is protected by these two guard dogs, Hitler and Attila. Hitler so and Attila. they're literally like barking the whole time. Barking the whole time and and chewing up people as they walk in and out of that yeah, like kitchen. Woody has to duck out there at one point and his his uh pants get all chewed up. Exactly. So that's one <laughs> door. So silly. It's so silly. The w- the other main door Leads out to the reception area. Right. There are two swinging doors. Literally swinging doors. One going in, one going out. Yeah. And that is where the reception is happening, where people are waiting for the, the wedding to go on. Right. And when, to add another character that comes through one of the swinging doors yes. is, um, a, a, I guess she's German. Yes. Um, an, an exotic German woman who Sam starts to flirt with. And she's like fully game, like right away. She's yeah. just a, like a sex pot. And she, he, just... she hands him her pantyhose at one point. Which I don't think, I don't. Like really think of pantyhose as being like a sexy thing. Right? It was. I think they were in the eighties or in the early nineties. It was nineteen ninety two. She's got legs. She knows how to use them. She's got legs. That's it. Tina Turner style. <laughs> yeah. Didn't she do pantyhose commercials? I think so. Um, yeah. So she's a, the German. So that's the other door is where the 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 sexy German woman comes in and she flirts with Sam and makes huge sexual advances with him. Instantly. And then as she's walking back out the revolving door, she. Sort of as an aside mentions that she's married. Right. And then later on, her German-speaking husband, who doesn't speak any English, comes in in full like military regalia with a sword. With a sword. And is yelling at Sam. And then Sam is able to... Sam gets out of it by a Fraser speaking a bit of German to yes. him. Uh, but then Sam takes the pantyhose out of his pocket to wipe his brow because <laughs> right. he's so nervous. Right. And then the guy sees the pantyhose and flips out again. So Sam has to get out of it by pretending that he's putting on this pantyhose for support. And meanwhile, Fraser has already in his uh, trying to uh, calm down the situation and talking German. He's already said that Sam is gay by calling him like a poofter in yeah, German yeah, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. So when Sam puts on the pantyhose, because of course being gay and cross dressing is hilarious. It, <laughs> it is. It, hey, let's just. It, it is okay. Now, uh, so uh, the German uh, husband, who's a military man with a sword, just laughs at, at Sam and thinks it's hysterical. So Sam gets out of that one. So that's one. That's the other door. There's the dog door. There's that door. Then there's the dumbwaiter door. Dumbwaiter, yeah. Which is um, 
Yeah, so we can well, get this, into some of the other yeah, characters. Yeah, the story with the dumbwaiter uh, involves uh, the minister who dies at the end of the first part. And that's what is the cliffhanger to the first one is uh, – it's actually really weird because, I mean, every character that we meet that is not part of the Cheers crew is a very heightened character, like a very character character, like, an, yeah. like a ridiculous one. Yeah, I mean, he comes in and Craig and I were just laughing instantly. We're like, what the hell is this case? He's like, really? I forget what his accent was because now I th- there was another... It's like minister. old man accent. It's like old, fake old man. Hey, rah, rah. <laughs> and he wasn't... It's also that weird thing that I've realized from watching a lot of shows from the 80s and 90s now is... People, I guess in the late 80s, early 90s, if you were like 65, it seemed really old or something. But that guy yeah. wasn't that old. Like he didn't really yeah. seem old. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's sort of weird when he just leans over and dies. And uh, and Fra- the last line of Frasier is uh, – the last line of the first episode is Frasier going like, we we can't. The minister is dead. <laughs> yeah, the button to, uh, blackout. Such a great blackout. Yeah. So then the bl- dumbwaiter is uh, is used for him to hide the uh, the dead minister because that, that's part of the hijinks of the whole beginning of the second half. Actually, the dumbwaiter is used for something before I just remembered, what which else? is that the other running thing, oh, the main, yeah. what the the big running thing that we already mentioned is that uh, is that. Um, Woody and Kelly have already had sex once during the day, but they've they're they can't keep their hands off each other. And of course, if the father of the bride sees them together in the kitchen and knows that they've seen each other, even he'll be furious. Right. So they're in there. They're in the kitchen making out. Uh, uh, Woody and Kelly, and the, they know the dad's coming in, so they hide. Kelly and the dumbwaiter to start. Yeah, and so, her the train of her dress gets caught in the door as they close it down. But then Norm is there, and he just pretends it's a little uh, towel that he's using to clean a glass. Hysterical. Ha- it is hysterical. I mean, I have to say, like, the broad strokes of the episode are really funny. Like, yeah. it's it's very heightened and, like, ridiculous because it's so, a farce. But yeah. it's really funny. And then the little jokes within it are just hilarious. There's lots of really great jokes in it, yeah. Um so that dumbwaiter is sort of throughout the episode used to lower and raise a dead body. And, right, and uh, Carla gets caught in there at one point and just keeps on getting dropped to the bottom of the shaft. Which is very funny. Yeah. And uh, and then there's one other door, which is the... Uh, oh, no, there are two other doors. Are there? There's, there's the, oh, the yeah. cellar. The cellar. The wine cellar, which is where they also keep the body at some point. Yes. And then the upstairs, which is where Kelly is yes. getting dressed, where Woody should never be. Wow, so that's one, two, three, four, five. Five. If you, if, five if you count the, the two swinging doors as one entrance. Yes, yeah. which I think they, yeah, I think they play the sense. same role. So I have to ask, when you're thinking about uh, your play, yeah. is, is there a lot of entrance, or, or are you thinking about a lot of entrances and exits? Well, my play, it's called The Cloud, and it takes place in the internet. And I, it's sort of one of the seeds of the play was me thinking about the internet as sort of this farce without walls. Because, mm. you know, walls are so integral to farce and, and people entering and exiting and the confusion there that I felt like, I feel like the internet is this weird kind of world where they're 
are no walls and yet there's all this possibility for confusion and maybe the walls and the internet i guess in my version would be people um signing in as other people like getting other people's passwords and like a couple they're very suspicious of one another and then someone in the couple sort of forces the other person's hand to exchange their internet passwords and then people are going on as the other person masquerading as their lover and finding out all sorts of things that they, you know, are unhappy to find out. That sounds really interesting. Uh, yeah, I hope it works out. So wait, <laughs> my question for you is now as a stage setting, if it takes place on the stage, are people at computers or how are you visually? No, I mean, I'm trying to just, they will be looking down at their, you know, um, iPhone or on the computer and just kind of get up and walk into a, either a separate part of the stage or maybe there'll be a lighting cue or something that will indicate that they are now in the cloud it represents the yeah i mean i look at it as being staged very sort of fluidly just like an improv Mm -hmm. um set really like staging it like that because those that moves you know so quickly and easily and you so easily know like oh they're in a new location now that's great hope so (laughs) that sounds really interesting i mean it sounds like a cool sort of uh world to play around with yeah yeah you know and i so i had set up this whole conceit and wrote the play and then i had this reading and it it was really like oh okay the conceit works i should just kind of run with it i don't need to explain it anymore Mm -hmm. so now in this next rewrite i'm doing is just trying to have more fun with it kind of did you uh after having googled sex farce and finding this episode of this show um, was there anything that jumped out of you, out at you that you're, that what you think could help you or that you realize is something that like some, uh, thing that you liked that you, that you think might be helpful? Um, I don't, well, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I love that all the actual physical doors, I'd love to write something like this that, that uses all these kind of physical things yeah. too. But, um, for my purposes, I did love the uh well the that the minister is drunk yes. they they find a secondary minister this yes. is another ridiculous character who uncle roger they go <laughs> go after him um Who's, i think is he british or he's, he's british i think right? he's british yeah, yeah everybody crazy accents are huge crazy i don't know if i can work in crazy accents but that would be another fun thing to it do. is there is something funny and classic about it like you recognize yeah. those things like oh i love a witching you know yeah. like that thing just feels like i don't know just like classic play. I don't yeah, know. yeah. It's a crazy characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I loved how they the problem at first for them was like, oh no, he's drunk. He's not going to be able to perform the wedding. Let's sober him up. Keep the booze out of his hand. Give him some coffee. And then the, then he becomes a jerk and is like not agreeing to do anything. And then the problem becomes like, oh, we have to get him drunk again. Right. Yeah. His, so when he's drunk, he's very happy and agreeable, but it's like, obviously like, he's like, oh, I love you. Everybody's told me about you. Who are you? You know, like sort of like Arthur. And then when he's not drunk, he, and they're like, we need you to perform the wedding. We need you to reside over the wedding. And he's like, uh, He's like, oh, I hate weddings. I I was married. It was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And then they realize he's only happy when he's drunk. Yeah, it was yeah. really funny. It was like yeah, a it was cool. Really funny. It was a cool. It's uh, also kind of cool that people take very sort of strong opinions on marriage. Like it's a very happy event, but then undercutting it constantly is people saying how awful their marriage is and how unhappy they are in relationships. That was a big part. Yeah, that was a major. Several characters that comes up. I don't think that there was one besides for their wet them getting married. And they were so happy. They were so happy. 
I don't think there was one positive thing said about getting married because uh. let's think about it. Uh, Frazier and Lilith, well, they were they're saying how it's just devolved and they bicker all the time, or there are jokes about that. Yeah, they set that up. Yeah, uh, uh, Cliff uh, has never been married, but he almost was once, and that's sort of an aside. Norm, uh, of course, very unhappy, and he he goes and is about to punch uh, Woody. Saying he wished someone had punched him on his wedding day, which is weird. <laughs> it was a weird joke because I feel like if you were punched during your wedding day, you wouldn't be like, "Well, can't get married anymore." I <laughs> yeah. was punched. I don't know. Let's call this off. A little weird, but yes. Yeah, it was a and, weird one. And then there's the other marriage is the German marriage, which is you know there's uh, an affair going on. Yeah. And Sam is just a playboy. Oh, and then of and course Rebecca, who's very unhappy, who's very unhappy because. Her ex-boyfriend is getting married, and that's, like, a brutal thing. Did they get together in the end, Sam and Rebecca? I don't remember. I, don't I feel remember bad. I yeah. I don't remember. Uh, we'll Google it later. We'll Google it. We'll Google it later. Um, yeah, but that is weird that everybody – and, the, uh, the, of course, the minister is saying married. The, the father of the bride isn't, like, super psyched that Woody's getting married to her. Yeah. It's sort of weird. That is sort of weird. As a married, as a soon soon to be married man, has anybody given you bad advice? I mean, like, has anybody anybody sort of like deterred you from it? You know, not that I can think of. I don't think. How about you? You No, no, definitely not. I don't. I mean, no, nobody said. Nobody's been negative about it. No, I feel like people are pretty happy and excited. That would be. Really uncomfortable. Yeah, in real life, I think it would be awkward. That would be like a. Imagine if somebody like if Norm, like your good friend who you know <laughs> through good work, buddy Norm, was like, "I want to punch you in the face because you shouldn't get married." I wish somebody punched you. the day of your wedding. Wouldn't you be like heartbroken? You know, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. It would. It would not be good. I, you know, it surprised me. We were going. It was. I was going to not your wedding, but another buddy, John Gabris's wedding. And I remember going shopping for cards and I could only find cards that were making jokes about weddings being awful. Like, <sighs> like, oh, congratulations on your first marriage. And this was at like a fairly nice card store. I went to another card store because I was just like, it's not really funny to yeah, me. And I'm pretty- like, it's a wedding. I want to give something that's like, congratulations, just plain, straightforward. And, and that is weird, too, because I feel like I've seen cards like that before, like the your first marriage or whatever. Yeah. But then... I've never been to a wedding that it's been anything but purely joyful. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, me like, too. like that's such a weird thing that people, I don't know, I guess. Yours was purely joyful. Oh, thank you. That's what it was. was it was really for. beautiful. That's what I was. I just remembered, and I don't know if you'd be comfortable telling the story, but it's such a great story that I, the, of the, the engagement what? of the, my engagement. No, not your engagement. The engagement in the park. That oh, you, gosh. Are you comfortable with that or no? No, I mean, I, I I guess I can tell the story. It is. It's really. <laughs> I just hope the person wouldn't be. Li- they're probably listening. Are they? <laughs> it's not impossible. <laughs> they have a podcast as well. Actually, this person. Would you be comfortable telling it? And then, if you feel uncomfortable later, I'll, I'll take it out. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Um, well. Uh, okay. This so is a great. It's just. This was a guy. I know. I know him pretty well at this point because I've known him for a couple of years now. But at the time, I'd only worked with him for about three weeks, and I guess he knew I was an improviser. I don't. I guess this is why he asked me to do it. But he wanted me to get dressed up in costume and uh, help him during his proposal. And so he uh, and his uh, soon-to-be fiance were running through Prospect Park pretty early in the morning, and. Uh, 
I was standing there dressed in tails and a top hat, I think, as well. I th- I'm not positive I had the top hat, but I had the tails on, so and he rented only, the costume. This A guy that you've only known for three weeks has asked you to dress up. And, yeah, I was just like... All right. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to leave you hanging. He offered me money, but I was like, "Don't, don't worry about it. I don't want to take money from you." You know. Uh, <laughs> well, so he. I forget the actual details, but I think it was. It was something to do with some classic work of literature, like a 19th century thing, and that's why I was dressed for the 19th century. I had some sort of scroll that I read to the woman who he was going to propose to. That was, I guess, you know, coming on to her in a. The very sort of so they were way. running in the park. Yeah, you guys were there. Yeah, I mean, it was me and another guy. Another guy was also dressed up. He luckily was the first person and to that he they was encountered. The buffer. He was yeah, the buffer. they encountered him, and he sort of said something to her that was I forget what it was, but and then they ran over, and I said something to her, and then he was like did something gallant like, you know, no, no, let me do it. And he took out his own scroll and got down on one knee. And I kind of like, all right, let me give them a moment now. And I moved off to the side and they proposed and he proposed. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I think proposals, there's so many good, um, like to do it in a, in a, like elaborate way is just such a interesting like uh, it's I know and to do it publicly I have to say it would be something that you I didn't would do it publicly well you know you? what I did do it on the street did you okay I but did do it on the, the street was it an empty street it was I think so yeah I was actually really glad because it was at night and it was near uh where we fr- it was outside of the apartment that Meryl lived at when we first met each other um but I was glad that nobody like walked by while it was happening, you know, because yeah. I feel like I, I mean, just personally, I'd be super awkward. Yeah, me too. I, I, I felt like a very private thing. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, they that couple, they did have their own private time and they got right. engaged. But yeah, I, I would feel uncomfortable. I thought of various ways of doing it, but I was like, no, let me just do it simply and sort of genuinely, earnestly and did it at our apartment. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, hey, listen, there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's, let's be honest. That's no, true. You know what I mean? <laughs> and true. proposing is the equivalent <laughs> of eating candy. Yes. Um, Even if you're a vampire and you just put two holes in it. Yeah, yes, you that know? was a commercial. That was one way of doing it. That was it. one of the more notable com- versions of that Reese's commercial. Um, so, yeah, so in life, weddings always joyful. In TV... Your wedding worked out. Did it go off without a hitch? Uh, the only, the only uh, potential disaster wasn't really a disaster at all, which was... Well, first of all, the weather was... It was raining the day of, but that's... You know, neither here nor there. Yeah. But I live so close to the venue, but we got a car because it was my brother, my now brother-in-law and I, and I ordered a car like a week before because uh, I thought it would just be the easiest way to do it. And then like 15 minutes before they were coming, they're like, we're going to be a little bit late. Arecibo? Was, was it Arecibo? No, it wasn't. I ordered like uh, like a classy car company. Classy. Like a classy because I felt like – and I, not, I didn't like get a limo or anything. Sure. I wasn't like – Black uh, car. Black car. Yeah. And just to be nice. And then 10 minutes after the original time, I was like, I just want to check in to see where they are. And I called and they're like, uh, we're in lower Manhattan and there's a lot of traffic. I was like, this is my fucking wedding day. Jeez, but the jerks. thing is, I'm so close to the venue. So I wasn't like, I was just freaking out just because it's the day of the wedding. You know, what did you like, do? Did they come? So I ended up being like, just hanging up the phone with them immediately. Like, 
literally in the mid sentence. Nice. And then calling Arecibo. Nice. And they came in five minutes. Five minutes. In a in a gold minivan. <laughs> That's beautiful. Beautiful. And, uh, and then you hopped in the dumb way. Hopped in, and I gave the guy a big tip. That's beautiful. Yeah. It all worked out. That was the only like potential hitch. And then it also took my. I don't know if I mentioned this on the other episode, but my brother and my stepbrother. Why do I keep saying stepbrother? Uh, and my brother-in-law, like half an hour to tie our ties. Like we couldn't. <laughs> we couldn't figure. <laughs> what kind of tie did you have on? Just I had a just a regular tie, but I wanted to do a double Windsor. Oh, jeez. Um, this wedding in the episode to get back to it is obviously a black tie wedding because they're all wearing tuxedos. Yes. What are you, what's your thoughts on black tie wedding? Um, I mean, I think, you know, if you're going fancy, go black tie. Uh huh. Are you thinking of that? I don't think so. Cause I think we're going to be doing it in Arizona where my fiance's family all lives. So it'll probably be, and we might want to do some stuff outside. So I'm just imagining it's going to be a little bit less formal. Yeah, I think it's going to be traditional, right? That's one of the styles. There's like traditional, black tie, formal. Maybe is that the same? Yeah, we couldn't really figure out what to write on the invitation, so we didn't write anything. No, about about it's a wedding. I, I think a suit. With, with black tie, you wore you look good. You look with, great. Thank. Oh my god, you, you I'm are, so many great. Um, you wore a great suit. Mel uh, looked beautiful. It's funny too because I've I've been pre-recording a bunch of episodes of this podcast sure. for like this will be air much later than it's recording but i've been recording a bunch this week so it's for every week it's going to seem like i'm still like talking about my wedding a lot i mean it's a major life event it is a major life event there's nothing wrong with talking about it. it's supposed to be the most important day of your life that's what it was the best day of my life i'll say that that's what they yeah yeah absolutely wow it was the best day of my life i have to ask you this based on this this show do you have you ever met anybody i don't know if i've because they're talking about chastity. Anybody mm. who's never had, like, who's been saving themselves. Well, me. For one. For one. Right. To my in-laws. Um, <laughs> but aside from myself, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I can't, I can't think of anybody. Now, here's also with the episode. When Not he, of our generation, at least. Um, when he said, when Woody came in, he said he's been chased for three years with her. Right. But it didn't say that he was before that. But he also said it was funny, he was like, Now I understand all of your all the jokes I've been hearing at Cheers for the last It like, seemed like he had lost his virginity. But he but he didn't get those jokes from the first times he's had sex. Well, had he had sex before? I'm saying I don't know. I'm saying I don't think he did. You don't think he ever Yeah, I, that's what it made it made sense. But when they said like three years, I was like, Had he had sex but no, you're right. It's a sense. farm boy. He is a farm boy. He is so, it's so funny his character, the writing they did for him. That there was that one joke about. Oh, um, oh there were two. There was one great line that Kelly said where he said that she. She's talking about when she was born, how she was seven pounds and she had you know a little birthmark or whatever, and she says, "Now that little girl grew up and got it on with the woodman this morning." <laughs> <laughs> it was just so funny. That was really funny. And then, then. Like Woody's sort of go-to joke or his game is that he's like uh, just like a dumb – sort of like a – what would you say? Like a hill person? I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's I like call him a, like a hill the hills person. have eyes. He's, he's a like, farm boy. <laughs> he's from the hills have eyes. <laughs> um, he's a farm boy. But he, like like really dumb. Like innocent. It's, yeah. It, it really – yeah. Like joking and innocent. But he says that somebody – but also the portrayal of his family is like so yeah. – like that his – they talked about like how he could never have sex before his marriage because of when his cousin checked into a hotel with a cream separating machine. 
Yeah. That like raised a huge. That was hubbub. maybe the, the uh, for me one of the best lines of the whole it episode. Was it was so, so funny, weird it's so funny. weird. Yeah, that he checked. Into He's it. like, well, it used to be in the old days, you know, that was really unacceptable. People are more acceptable of accepting of cream separating machines these and, days. And then he had another great line, which was the one about, uh, "Is there a plunger?" And then, oh, that was a good line. And then everybody's like, well, is there a, a problem in the bathroom? Problem in the toilet? He goes, he's like, no, my cousin Jeb, I don't know the cousin's name, uh, left his left his wooden leg in the bus, and he, and he really wants to dance. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just funny. Yeah, it's just funny. He's like the character uh, Rose on Golden Girls, right? Right. Yes. It's a similar. Um, I guess trope? that's. I guess that is sort of a. Tro- I mean, now I'm thinking about like The Office, which who is that? Like on the Dwight, office? I guess. Oh yeah, sort I guess of. Dwight I don't know if he's like that. dumb. I don't know if he's like traditional, but he has his own rule, like he, yeah. like his own world. I guess that's his jo- like joke. Yeah, but I guess that is sort of like a go to. It's a farm boy. He's yeah. He's he's a farm boy. Literally, yeah. he's from a farm. I'm sure, there's other examples we could think of too. Nothing's jumping out at me. Um, Joey Tribbiani, right? Joey Tribbiani from well, Friends. He, he's he's yeah. not a farm he's boy, a farm I guess, boy, but, but he's like the dumb friend, right? Kramer. Is he from Brooklyn? Joey Tribbiani. I th- I'd assume uh, so. Yeah, probably. Um, do you have now? I, I want to get back to your play for a minute in relation mm-hmm. to this. Um, what are are they characters like uh, real characters, like real life type characters? Are there any big characters or no? You know, it's only I, I wish I could throw some crazy characters right. in there, but you know, you're always looking for the smallest cast as possible because it just it makes it so much more producible, right? Um, eh, you know, and it also makes it makes it tighter and and gives you more of an opportunity to really explore a character, which I think you know you're looking to do in a play. Um, Although I'd love to have a big character, big cast like that. That would be awesome. But no, so they're more down to earth characters, I would say. Yeah. That makes sense. They're less a, super crazy. It would be if you saw a play in a small place and there was like a hello everybody, I'm the drunk minister. I, that, I think that would be great. Would be great. I, I mean that's what it was, I feel like in the old days you could have these tremendous thirty person casts just for a straight play. I have to say, now with with it cheers, I don't remember. I just don't remember because I haven't because I haven't watched it enough recently, mm-hmm. but like this really was once they got to their house the for the wedding, there was only one scene. Like it was one long scene. Yeah. What it was really, really impressive. It was really impressive. And what impressed me too was how quickly it moved. It moved incredibly quickly, despite the fact that it was in one location, just hopping around to different conversations all the time. And it would be, you know, two to four line conversation over here or even two lines, you know, that's just a quick joke that's commenting on another scene. And it it just moved so well. It was really intricate. And I think it's something that not to be the old timer saying back in our day, Mm -hmm. but um, because I guess now is still my day, but uh, (laughs) like you would never see, I mean, they also film this in front of a live audience, so I can't imagine. Not that they do it in one; thi- they probably do two or three uh, performances of it, mm-hmm. and then probably do a bunch of the scenes over and over, depending. But the acting that they have to do to make this work is really impressive, and something that's sort of with your one-camera sitcom where it's all about cuts and you know scenes, and it's not on, it's not staged like a play. Yeah, I don't think it's as nuanced or like as 
you know, I don't think the actors have to work as hard or, you know, so. I mean, well, the, the I rhythm, mean, not that they're not working hard. No, Let's come on. They're working hard. Hey, we're working on where everybody's working. Everybody's hard. working real hard. Uh, well, I think they're more responsible for the comedic rhythm. Whereas in, you know, a single camera, it would be the editor that is so responsible uh, for the, I mean, obviously the actors are responsible hey. too in the single cam, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they have to create that rhythm as an ensemble and i think there's something kind of magical about that even you know on tv well definitely i mean you you think about that scene like for instance when uh when sam is putting carla in the uh dumb waiter to to bring her down to the cellar to pick up the dead guy's body which is <laughs> as i'm saying insanely ridiculous but the rhythm of like people coming in and him letting go of the dumbwaiter so it drops yep. and the sound of the thump and all that stuff. And like it felt like the timing was just imp- really impressive. Yeah, it was. Because I can't imagine that there were many cuts in those scenes. I, I would imagine they shot them. Yeah, I'm sure they might have edited together yeah. maybe a little maybe bit. Maybe a but, little bit. But, but you but... have to keep those for the flow of it. You I, have to keep that sort of in I the moment. I think so. Yeah. Which is crazy. And like people the entrances through the doors and like the choreography i mean i can't even imagine for you know the directors of the show what they must have had to go through to choreograph these yeah. and get it go- was like it? It was james burroughs i think yeah he was the uh i think he james burroughs is the sort of legendary he's tv director he directed like the most episodes of tv sitcoms ever maybe? something like that yeah, yeah and i think he you know yeah, did like almost maybe every episode of this or most, and then maybe, he, I think you're right. Yeah. And like I read this a book that I haven't mentioned in a while, but NBC's Top of the Rock, uh, written mm. by Warren Littlefield, and like Will and Grace ended up. It was like a coup for them to get him to direct their pilot, and then he wanted to direct like every episode. You know, like he's one of those yeah. guys that uh, that was another was just three legend. camera show, like a recent three camera show that was. Is there any three camera show on now? That's, there are. I mean, I mean, there are. But are there any that we like? Yeah, that's a weird thing. Is uh, and I've mentioned this before, but it's like within our circle or my friends and stuff. And as you are one of them, yes. like I feel like CBS is sort of the only channel, the most successful sitcom, certainly in terms of sheer viewers. But and, and but they also are doing three camera. I mean, you think about Big three- Bang Theory, Two Broke Girls, Mike and Molly. Mike and Molly yeah. Uh, two and a half men. Those are all three cameras, and they're hugely successful. Yeah. But on the, I feel like on NBC, ABC, where the more of the shows that we'd watch, right? Um, they're all single camera. They're all. I think they're mostly single. I'm sure there's got to be. I wonder. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I, I can't. No, nothing comes to mind that's like, oh yeah, that's a show I really like and watch regularly. Yeah. That's three camera. Yeah. Maybe I don't there know. is. But well, nothing. that was the big thing. Uh, with did you ever watch Lucky Louie? Sure. Yeah. Um, Louis C.K.'s show before Louis was called Lucky Louis, and it was on HBO, I think, in like 2006 or 2007. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing was that he wanted to try to do like a real life, like a real sit- more real sitcom in mm-hmm. the real world, but still do a three camera on a set. And it's really interesting. I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah. Did, did it have sort of farcical elements? Did it have this sort of rhythm? Or by real? I, I'm not remembering. No, mean I think more... it was more like the pacing was a little bit more like the writing was. I mean, it was Louis C.K. I, I think yeah. it felt in some ways like an old sitcom, but it definitely. I don't know if it really fit into. Like a classic sitcom mold? Yeah. Was he I, trying think he to... was like, I think he was trying to do a little bit of both. Like to find that rhythm that he has Having now. a foot in both worlds. Mm-hmm. But it was really fun. I remember like he had this crazy neighbor who, or, and he like walked in 
to the apartment just totally naked and it like they didn't censor it at all and it was just like this is amazing like because it still looked like yeah. a sitcom and it yeah. was like wow you can't do this <laughs> on funny. tv you yeah. can't do this on television yeah you can't you, you can't get slimed you, or you get or if you say i don't know you also get slimed it's pretty awesome Another great show. Has anyone watched that with you? You can't do this on television? Yeah. This is one of my, I think, uh, a formative show for me. Oh, definitely. And I haven't watched it uh, on this show. And in fact, when I was working a job once, an editing job, this was before everything was on the internet mm-hmm. or you could download everything, but somebody bought all the seasons on DVD, like a shitty transfer of every episode. So I have them somewhere. Yeah. I just haven't revisited. Because it's one of those things, too, where it's like, when you watch a show that's important to you as a kid, like if you rewatch it, is it gonna? Is it gonna be? Is it gonna stand up? I don't know. I don't know. That's what this show. I mean, this really Cheers really stands up. It's, yeah. Well, that that's why I was so impressed with the pacing. Was I figured it would be slower because I feel like things have gotten so much quicker uh, in terms of pacing more recently, especially like you know you think about sitcoms that we like just so many quick cuts. You yes. Know? Um, but this was just as fast. If yeah, not it faster was. than many things. And comparing it to the first episode, which I watched on this, I think that was a little bit slower. But the jokes were so good and well crafted that it didn't feel slow. This mm-hmm. was definitely. Fa- I mean, with everybody entering and exiting, it was pretty amazing. I mean, because you had all those kind of farcical bits, plus all these great, rich characters that have these awesome character games. Lilith going off and performing. Oh, yeah, that was, was a great thing. It was like thing. that Lilith. And I sort of forgot what Lilith's character was like besides for being like drab or yeah. whatever. But they're like give her to – to because everything's ta- – I don't even know what the reason is that – oh, because they need to find the minister. But like uh, they need her to vamp basically and like – make every, sure everybody's not freaking out that it's running late and she just keeps going and like singing and yeah it's another like little stuff. bit that just gets the game that just gets heightened and heightened and you know the final thing is her coming in asking for three cleavers yeah so she can <laughs> juggle yeah and he, they're like you don't have to do that and she's like please this is my final you know like my finale my fin- <laughs> let me finish my grand finale um were there any other things that you that you were uh, uh, excited about in the in the farce world? Um, let me see. Uh, I don't know. That's like. Well, I love that. Also, just like the threat that there's always there's all these threats. There's the dogs can't go out there. The dogs are going to get you. You know, can't go up there. That there's the the father-in-law that's gonna. You know, end the wedding. Can't you know? All, There's all the that. dead body in one and thing. It, There's the wife that's married that's cheating on her husband. Like, there's ev- everything is a threat. It's just so involving, you know. And uh, you're, I just get riveted. I don't get bored with the, with this kind of farce. Well, stuff. I think the cool thing is that, and what I was saying before about like um, meet the parents the or whatever, meet the parents was like that made me that makes you sort of cringe a little bit. But this one was like. I guess because Ben Stiller's just getting shit on the entire time. But this one, yeah, everybody's sort of in this. There's just it, everything's up in the air for a long time, and it's impressive that they keep it up in the air, and everything's a threat, but nothing like the knife doesn't like come down. You know, like right. in the guillotine. If this was a guillotine, if this was before. a guillotine, the knife never comes down. Yeah, but you're still very involved. You're involved and worried about what's going to happen next, and it's always something is happening next. So, and in fact, the the ending is like throughout the entire thing. There's this humongous cake in the kitchen. Yeah, that the, when the chef leaves, he's uh, 
He's trying to ice it. He's icing it, but it's left in mid icing, and then Rebecca has to sort of take over for it, but she doesn't know how to ice it, and blah blah blah, and she's already bit off the head of the groom on top, and and she's bitter, and then you think the whole time that something's going to happen with the cake, and in fact, when um, the it German comes in, comes in with and the he, sword, he starts literally trying to murder Sam with the sword. <laughs> And he swipes at the cake and he hits it, but it's like a clean cut or something like nothing happens to the cake. Yeah. So <clears throat> at the way end of part two of an old fashioned wedding, um, they like leave and the ceremony is about to start. And then in your head, you're like, oh, well, the cake's fine. And then the dead minister falls out of the wine closet right on the cake. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, I thought, oh, well, the cake didn't get they, – they fooled me. Maybe that's why you're talking about it um, uh, upon rewatching this kind of thing gets less pleasurable. Maybe. Right. Maybe that's why with Meet the Parents it wasn't as good and, as you're rewatching it because you know what's coming. Right. You, you sort of know what the mechanism is. Right. And, and it is so mechanical, which is yes. also very impressive to me at least. Um, but uh, upon uh, repeated viewings, that mechanics uh, are – obvious to you yeah no that, that definitely could be part of it yeah um also i hate robert de niro as an actor so that's, oh well he's not a good actor. he's the worst actor he's ever. The, well he's yes. a really bad actor just kidding we know you're listening uh robert and uh you were great in uh taxi driver good film anger management the movie yes the godfather part two godfather part two um you were also in um uh, that's I think those are the only that movies. was it. Is that only? Yeah, I, I think, think that's all he did. There might be one we're missing. We're missing. Devil's Advocate. That was that was Pacino. Pacino. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. That's it <laughs> no, for, that's it. That's that's De Niro. for De Niro. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was. Uh, I had something w- when we were talking about the wedding cake, but I forgot it. What else was there? About the wedding cake, she makes his, the groom's head out of pate. Oh, I was going to say, oh yeah, she does make the groom's head out of pate. Cause, and then she's basically saying Woody's a meathead. I was going to say, it's like, there's always sort of that like one thing that you can pull apart and you're like, oh, the episode really sort of doesn't make sense. Yeah. Which is like, the minister died. Why didn't they say something? Yeah, well, I think they weren't going to say anything because if they did, that would ruin the whole wedding. They, oh, right, because Woody, Woody has to have Woody has to get married that day because of the sex. Yeah, he says it, like it's okay as long as we get married today. Yeah, it needs to happen. Now, if there was a wedding and the minister did die, wouldn't would they keep the wedding going? I don't know. You had a great rabbi at your wedding, by the way. Oh, thank you. What a good speech. Sorry I keep bringing back to your wedding, but it was happened so recently, and it was, you know, I'm thinking about weddings so much myself because of my own. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I don't. I think I think you would want to keep it going. What are you going to do, cancel the wedding? Just I don't the- know. That's like a really – I think in the case of uh, – with ours, it's like if – He was young. He was a young guy. He's so a young guy. No so he's not going to just fall dead. But if an emergency happened, I think somebody else from the synagogue – They'd would send have somebody in. stepped forward and done it. I think, in fact, I think that was even mentioned once. Really? Not that he would. In case the rabbi if he kills over, dead <laughs> into uh, the cake. Yeah, but that's a good question. Do you mind if I ask you what you guys are thinking uh, of uh, for with your? Uh, I don't know who's going to marry us. Yeah. I'm really not sure. You know, I'm Catholic, and my parents are pretty Catholic. And if we were doing it here in New York, I would probably do it 
at a Catholic church because mm-hmm. I would be able to know the priest beforehand. But I don't know if we're going to do it uh, with a Catholic priest out there because if I don't know the Catholic, then you never know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I don't what, trust what I would say is it's good to meet with a person before, like, right. get to know, you know, like, it's nice to have that relationship. Because you want them to have your sort of values, and that's why if it's not somebody I know, then maybe we should go with a more generic kind of thing. Or we might go with, Elisa's Protestant, and we might go with maybe, I think one of her, her brother-in-law is a as a minister. Man, I would be so, my friend Rory, like, presided over a wedding of yeah. his uh, girlfriend's brother. <laughs> I would be so nervous, man. When if you oh, if you were presiding, if I was presiding. There's like a that's a lot. I feel like a lot of pressure. I mean, I I, so. I'm sure people people do it all the time. Rory did great, so I did he. So I hear, but yeah, yeah. It's a unique job. It's it's like being you know a host, a, a DJ, sort yep. of. But you you also need to get the heart. You have to get the heart, but you also can't be. You've got to. Get the job done. It can't be too sappy. You know what I mean? Like no. you don't want to get do overdone. You don't want to. Yeah, you don't want to underdo it or overdo it. Yeah, you just want to do it just right. Just right. Maybe a, a few laughs. I hope. Hopefully, a la- some laughs, some tears. tears. Yeah, it's, it's, it's taking people on an emotional ride is the job. It really is. Yeah. Um, and if you're up for it. Yeah, contact me because uh, I could use uh, you. Just go to you know you post something on it's that episode's Facebook, and I'll make sure that uh, I'll check that Moses will get it. Thank I'll, you. I'll forward it on to him. Um, well, thank you so much for watching. Yeah. Uh, cheers! Uh, an old fashioned wedding part one and two. This was a groundbreaking episode of this podcast because first time I've rewatched a show or re- uh, a series, and then first two parter. Yeah. That I've watched because I've watched two parters, but only one part of them before. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say that this two parter the um, was, uh, there was that much of a cliffhanger. Yeah, I have to say I agree. There wasn't like what's going to happen. Well, there. I almost minutes, wondered if they aired back to back. They might. It, there's it a chance like it would have been un- unsatisfying to wait a week. I, I have a feeling that this might have aired as a one hour thing, and then uh, they, when they released it on DVD, but I, I don't know of that for sure. Uh, I would bet. Because be, all the action that's set up in the first part really needs to be paid off quickly in the second and part. And if this was in one episode, it would have flowed. So I mean, it flows so well that it doesn't really – because it takes place in one place. Yeah. But they did do – on the last episode, they did remind us at the beginning of the second. So that's true. Yeah. But they might have done that for syndicated. We, we'll never we'll know. We'll never know. We'll never be able – we'll go- Google it. Googling – Going to the Paley Center. started this uh, episode with Googling sex farce. So yeah. before we go, is there anything that you'd want to tell people to Google? Um, um, anything that people should Google? It could either be a plug or you could just tell people to Google something that you found interesting in the past. Wow. Um, <laughs> like anything that I found interesting. Yeah. I mean, and um, I've been reading a lot about North Korea lately. There's yeah. a great article in GQ about um, the dear leader's uh, sushi, sushi chef? chef. Did you read that? Really amazing. Amazing. And now I, I'm actually reading the novel that uh, the guy who wrote that article, uh, he wrote this amazing novel called The uh, the Orphan Master's Son, and it's all about North Korea. Um, but that, but anyway, I would Google that article. The go- that article is great. And if, to maybe even pique your interest, I can say one specific thing, which is uh, that the sushi chef was uh, Kim Jong-il's personal sushi chef. Yeah. And for his wedding, as a wedding prank, Kim Jong-il had uh, the sushi master's pubes shaved in the middle of the night. That's a real thing that Kim Jong-il, the dictator, 
by North Korea had his sushi chef's pubic hair shaved the night of his wedding while he was sleeping. What a prank. That's a real thing that exists. <laughs> and then also I'm going to just jump on top of that because I North Korea is, of course, very interesting. There's a graphic novel called Pyongyang. Mm-hmm. And it's um, – I believe that's the title of it. And it uh, it's about – a uh, graphic designer or uh, an animator who goes to – a Canadian animator who has to go to North Korea for like five, six months or like five, six weeks or something to oversee an animation project. And it's all about his experience there wow. behind the Iron Curtain, if you will. Sure. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Really well done. Uh, so I'm glad we uh, we talked about I'm that. I'm glad we connected over it. I'm glad you read that article too. That What's is, the name of the book again? That you, you... Uh, The Orphan Master's Son. I'm only gonna... about halfway through, but I, I recommend it. I'll I'm... lend it to you if you want. I'm going to look. This is this show is. I would love to borrow it. This sure. show isn't just about TV. It's about culture and education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, I thanks appreciate for having it. me. This was a blast. And uh, watch that episode, everyone. Watch that episode. The yeah. two part was great. It's a great one. Enjoy it. I'd like to thank my guest Matt Moses for stopping by and watching a two parter of Cheers. It was a ton of fun, and I'd actually really suggest you watch it. It was a really fun uh, show to watch. Uh, please check in back next week. We'll have another great show. If you're a fan of the podcast you can follow me on twitter at craig rowan you can like us on facebook it's that episode leave a comment on itunes or email a local uh politician and uh try to get this podcast passed as legislation i think we can do it all right thanks a lot for listening we'll see you next time have a great night and an early manana adios amigos